Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about masculinity. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal, man. It's a kind of a potent word. And yeah, um, in our culture with, uh, I think there's a lot of gray matter. In, <laughs> is that, would that be right? Like, no, gray matter is part of the brain. Oh, okay. Well, we need that. We need yeah. more. Yeah. I hope there's a lot of gray matter Moss, in, in masculinity. Moss gray matter. Uh, Manero, I don't know any Spanish. Mat- matter. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, okay. one of the, <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those words now that's an eyebrow raising word. It is. You say masculinity, it's like oh, you know. Yeah. It's like what do you it, mean by exactly, that? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we always start off with story time. I've got one. I figured it's the masculinity episode. I'll talk about my brief stint as a a middle school football player. Oh yeah, one I, of my favorite seasons of your life. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been six three since I was in eighth grade, <laughs> and I played football sixth and seventh. So before then, you know, I was probably bumping six foot around there. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember tryouts. You go there and they weigh you, and there's one guy heavier than I was in the whole thing, in the whole, in the whole league. Yeah, and we ended up yeah. on the same team. Uh, he was like a Andre the Giant type kid. Didn't yeah. talk very much, you know, like very. <laughs> Just grunt. Uh, yeah, exactly. He was already <laughs> shaving. Wow. Uh, no, I have no idea. That was yeah. a, a guess. But uh, anyway, um, I played left guard and left tackle. So look at you remembering that. Yeah. Well, I watch football now. I, yeah. so I, I remember the position. So anyway, I remember there was a scrimmage and practice is one of the, it's, it's similar to working out where you're, I dreaded going there. I had a blast when I was there and then I was really grateful to go home. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. happened every and single week. And you weren't looking forward to the next one. Or every single day. No, yeah. never. Yeah. But I preferred them to games. Games were hated going, hated being there, happy to go home. What was that about? The stress of it? The stress of performance? Yeah, probably. Because cause we would do scrimmages and stuff uh, in practice, but it wasn't the same. You know, winning isn't a big deal there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it was all, all my buddies. There was only one time where uh, it was a scrimmage actually against the same team. We were the Dolphins for whatever right. reason in uh, Douglas in County Dolphins. Douglas County Dolphins, and uh, another team, another Dolphins team. Um, we had a scrimmage against them, but we were rivals for whatever reason. They went to different high schools. I went to a charter school, so I kind of missed out on the drama. But I heard that from the public middle school that that my team went to. Well, your your that, school was public. It was just a charter school, right? But, but the the yeah. the public public school, yeah. the public non charter school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to sound prim and proper. I'm just, you know, yeah. just the semantics yeah. of the situation. Okay. Uh, they, had, you know, there's a lot of a lot of you know. This scrimmage was a big deal coming up, and the two the members uh, of each team were were bad mouthing each other. The other team was saying they were going to crush us, so we went in there with a chip on our shoulder. This is actually a way better story to tell. I wasn't going to tell this one. Yeah. But uh, well, I guess there's not much. There's not much going on. We just we we whooped them. It was and it was oh, fun. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was that part was. So fun. then there's like this team uh, unity of we did it together. Exactly. Yeah. So but that was one of the few because we weren't very good. So all of our actual as I recall, I don't games, think you won a single game. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we were doing a scrimmage against our own little team. So not not that uh, not that same situation, but just on a pra- normal practice, mm-hmm. line up and run some run some plays. And um, I was doing playing defense, and this guy, he was uh, he's so funny. He was just the kind of, like, knucklehead, class clown, screwball. Um, and uh, 
he so he knew the the call right. He knew he was on offense. He was on the line, so he knew when it, when he was gonna uh, when it was gonna get snapped, and he would immediately as I did that charge at me to start yelling. Ah! <laughs> And he was he was probably about half a foot shorter than I am, yeah. or was at the time. Yeah, and uh, and he does this uh, for the for three three runs. It's so on the fourth one, the fourth down. I hear the call. Just just they said it too loud or something. Oh, okay. but I heard yeah. them say it. And so as soon as they get there, I jump up and hit him really hard on the chest. And he goes flapping on his back, <laughs> and he's just laying there giggling. That he finally got a, a rise out of me. It was really funny. That is funny. Um, so I didn't. I only played for two years. Didn't really take to it. I still like watching the sport. Yeah. But that's a. Uh, I have good memories of the practices. Well, the thing is, you know, um, I begged you. The coaches begged you. Like, hit somebody hard. Mm-hmm. The coach. I remember one coach grabbing one of those uh, blocking dummy things and saying, "Come on, John, knock me down." He begged <laughs> you, "Knock me down." And you couldn't do it. You were afraid you were going to hurt somebody because you were so much bigger than them. Yeah. And, you know, you're you're the lover. I'm a I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a warrior poet without the warrior part. Just the, <laughs> just the poet, and not even then. Yeah. What was that uh, famous uh, cowboy poet? Uh, uh, Walt Whitman. Yes, Walt Whitman. Yeah. You're, you're a big Walt Whitman fan. I do. He he was actually kind of a slight guy, and a lot of rumors that he was uh, he was actually gay. No Which way. Is, yeah, yeah. Who knows? But, you know. Well, who started that rumor? Well, it's just the, his letters to his friends and stuff like that, you know. Oh, well, he was just tentative. Maybe. But I'm not I'm not that kind of tentative. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong hey, with that. Hey, That's hey. A, yeah. <laughs> Go a little Seinfeld there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's, let's talk about masculine. I want to dive in there because sure. this is a this is really a, a deep subject. Pin that Walt Whitman thing, because we could we could even go go on there if you want to start somewhere else. But talk about you know uh, creativity, sensitivity, and masculinity. Well, and from the era that he was in, you know, I don't know what years he was alive. He, but it's it was know. Teddy Roosevelt era. It was end of the end of the eighteenth century. Yeah, so I mean, he was one of the first modern. That's poets. when men were men. Mm-hmm. Post Civil War, and uh, and yet he was very uh, articulate. Nineteenth uh, century, I think he said eighteen. Yeah. 19th so. Uh, what when you think of Walt Whitman, yeah, and masculinity in that era, what what is that? Well, so the interesting thing to me is that they're so he's he's a lot of that Teddy Roosevelt type without the bravado. So he's always right. outdoors, yeah, very self sustained, uh, loves nature. Almost all of his poetry is about nature. Um, he has a whole book called uh, "Songs of Myself," I think is what they're called. Hmm. Um, and most of Dead Poet Society is based around his work, and they're they're amazing. It's really really cool stuff. Um. But, you know, he wasn't the, you know, that, you know, that picture of the boxer who's like, he's yeah, like the yeah, old yeah. time he boxed with a mustache, he got his fists up. That's like Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, Walt Whitman's not that guy. So there's, there's. What was Walt Whitman's physique like? He was very slight, slight and small. But so was Teddy, wasn't he? He was small, but, but burly. He was, he was broad. Oh, but he's also frail. He, he battled severe sicknesses. True. And he just fought through them. Like he refused to allow his body's declared limitations Sure. To stop him. Well, so but here's the so so Walt Whitman is is assumedly effeminate because of his temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have authors who are also manly men, like um, um, how's his name? He was a journalist, and then in like the uh, the modernist movement, um, you know who I'm talking about. He was a, a war veteran and a journalist, so all of his prose and his writing was super super lean. Mm. Um, and he's a very macho man. He writes about you know all the women he slept with and. Oh. All this stuff. So, uh, 
what do you think's going on there where these two men, both both acclaimed authors, one is seen as more effeminate and questionable mm-hmm. um, sexually, and the other is, is that doesn't even really cross the 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 narrative of, of history. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? I think I think one of the things that um, that you had in that scenario in those eras of history, mm-hmm. um, the 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 perspective on gender roles was very clear. It was binary. Uh, this is a man. This is a woman. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the the beauty of that is that a guy had a very clear ruler by which to measure his masculinity. The negative side of that is if you didn't fit the ruler, um, you didn't have a place to, to go. You know, there what you it was like you were broke or something's sure. wrong with you. So yeah, you didn't fit the mold. Or... Yeah. Yeah. So if you cried or if you had sensitivity or if you had if you expressed feelings or if you didn't love to fight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all those things. If you didn't if you didn't wanna, you know, score with a hundred women before you got married, sure. you know, whatever it was, but there yeah. were these images and um, so uh, there's a lot of negativity to it. Now there's so much fluidity about gender roles that there's no guardrails. Hmm. So I think the weakness of that is how do I know if I'm normal? Right. What, that part of your identity is kind of less defined. Yes. So I don't have a metric to even hold that up to. Hmm. And so, um, so one of my life habits that I've had for really uh, maybe three decades is to have a group of men that I have lunch with once a week yeah. and hang out with. Mm-hmm. And so when we were living in Denver, I had this group of guys that for seven years, we ate lunch once a week for seven years. And wow. it was a very generationally diverse group. Uh, the oldest guy in the group was in his 60s and the youngest guy was in his late 20s. And so okay. there were there were um, sometimes as few as six of us, and usually as many as twelve or thirteen. Okay. And what we would do is I would you know I would we'd all show up and we would change restaurants periodically to so get bored eating the same place once sure. a week. But uh, we'd show up to lunch, get all get our lunch, sit down, and and we'd talk about work or life or whatever. And then I would have a question of the day. And so I'd throw the question out there and we'd all talk about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was our deal. And uh, one day I asked uh, this question about masculinity. And the, the question was, what is a man? Mm-hmm. Who told you that? And are you one? Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because everybody was stumped. Yeah, I don't know how I'd answer those. Well, today it's even that'd be an even harder question sure. to answer, right? And that's what I think's wrong. Uh, that's the negative side of this. Be whoever you are, and there's no expectations. There's no norm. So um, that these day, guys, so the the sixty odd year old, uh, did he have an answer? No, they all said, "I have no idea what a man is. I have no idea if I am one." And so uh, it it was so captivating to me. Hmm. And I think I asked the question because, you know, in our identity, I think I was in my, I would have been in my late 30s, maybe 40. If this was at Grace, you'd have been in your 40s, wouldn't you? Yeah, I left there at 48. So okay. 
this happened fairly early in the journey there. So I was probably 43, you know. Gotcha. Anyway, um, I was so captivated by it that what we did was we got a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Mm. We all bought a copy. And um, each week we would discuss one chapter at a time. So we went through the whole book. And then at the end of the book, um, I rented this cabin in the mountains and we had a, we had a man retreat and we went on this trip together. We brought our favorite man movies. We cooked steaks on a grill. Mm-hmm. We hiked, we lifted heavy objects. We spat and, wow. uh, and we just did a man retreat. It sounds like you really doubled down on the, the traditional <laughs> masculine sense. Well, uh, you know, some guys sat in their room and wrote poetry, I'm sure, but <laughs> Uh, it wasn't about that's what a man is. Mm-hmm. We decided, though, that we wanted to understand the heart of a man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, um, and this is true, no matter what your personality temperaments are, you can feel like, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. Or everybody's that way and I'm not. So all of us at some point hit bump into walls about, you know, am I, am I normal? Is this okay? Sure. Well, I think when, when we think about like the era we're in of kind of, um, of less of those lines where the, um, where where you think that, that all, all humans are basically the same because they're all on this weird spectrum right. of sexuality. So right. like, um, any woman could be the carbon copy of any man, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think about this, uh, I noticed this with recently, I'll try not to date the episode, but Stranger Things, the newest season came out. And um, there's this character, you know, the big police chief guy. Yeah. What's his name? Hawk uh, or something? Uh, Harp. Or uh, the actor's name is Hopper. Harbor. But yeah, yeah, the character's name is Hopper. Hopper. Yeah. And uh, people love this guy. And he's very traditional, not in touch with his feelings. Yeah. Big, burly guy with a mustache. Yeah. And then I was thinking about Ron Swanson, who's from, uh, oh, from yeah. Parks and Rec. Parks he's and Rec, yeah. the same exact thing. Yeah. And these are fan favorite characters. And Any dog under fifty pounds is a cat, and cats are <laughs> cats useless. useless exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he has a, a line about dessert. I'm trying to remember. But it's anyway. Uh, fan favorites, and yeah. so it makes me wonder what's so appealing about that, uh, and why are those characters so so favorite? But I think uh, when you talk about the traditional masculine thing, I think what gets lost there is a sense of uh, vulnerability. Yeah. So like you can have all of these qualities that that are inherently masculine. Um but as soon as you say I can't be vulnerable either, mm. you know, you're you're losing something. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I think so. You're saying that if you no matter I, this is what, let me tell you what I think I sure, heard you yeah. say. That no matter what your definition of manhood is or masculinity is for yourself, mm-hmm. that if you can't be vulnerable because of that definition, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. That, that your definition's inferior. That you're trapping yourself for one. Yeah. And two, it's probably unhealthy. And I think that's what leads to a bunch of these, um, this the stereotypical like nuclear marriage where the man is is entirely in um, control and the woman is just you know, kind of at, at his whim, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, he's, he's in control or he's a caveman and has no, even awareness, no Mm self-awareness of his feelings or thoughts or processes. So he can't be vulnerable because he doesn't even know what he feels. If you ask him at a moment, how do you feel right now? He would say, I I don't have any idea and and (laughs) mean it, you know, and, and really mean it. Yeah. So, uh, these all make it really important. And, you know, 
our whole podcast is father and son conversations mm-hmm. about about um, um, you know faith and discipleship and following Christ in a culture that is uh, countercurrent. Sure. So when we talk about trying to figure out our own sense of masculinity, what what do you think God has in mind when He invented man and woman, mm-hmm. and um, and and what would what what would a definition of masculinity, you know, how do I how do I measure myself? Am I am I actually being a man? So I'm sure. curious, John. You said I don't think I could answer those questions, but what is a man? Oh man. Um, I mean, I have an anatomical answer <laughs> and that's just like, that's just, yeah. you know, even, even just, uh, uh, DNA wise men have, uh, one more or one less of a type of chromosome. Right. Right. I, I wasn't paying that much attention during, during that class, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, but you were on the birthing class when they showed the video <laughs> and some guy screams out, release the Kraken. Yeah. yeah, well, how can I, how can I? That's an epic moment in history. That yeah. is an epic moment. Yeah, um, I think biblically, and this this is something that I wouldn't say in mixed company, uh, that a man probably has more responsibility in certain things. Um, and I I'm going to leave some pauses because I might edit this out because now after I say that I think am I going to get in trouble for this? But when I <laughs> when I when I think about like so how. So well, th- yeah. So hold on. So so with identity, right? Yeah. The whole thing's about identity, and that's all about how you. It's all about people around you. Mm-hmm. It's how your identity mm-hmm. works. It's, it's what a, what am how am I liking different from these people? And so I think a lot of masculine masculinity only pops in with you know how you relate to your wife and your kids and your uh, and your friends. So uh, like with you and mom, uh, I was I observed, you know, my whole life that uh, if the car if we went to a game mm-hmm. and the car you had to park a mile and a half away you'd go get it and we'd all sit there until you came back with the car right and that was just kind of you know stuff like that so sure. so my uh my primary i can't even role, imagine saying hey hey honey go get the car i'll wait here well, <laughs> or but not even that no one yeah. i don't think anyone would do that but even it never occurred to you that we would all go you're like your your goal was to take on that responsibility and sure. and it's also because you're the patriarch of the family so that's not just you're not just a man in that situation mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. you know you have more responsibility there too but uh but i guess that's what i'm trying to say is that in a, in a relationship like that in a, in a husband and wife relationship i think the man has more responsibility for the well-being of the yeah so don't edit this out because this is part of the confusion that we all have sure. is is that accurate for example um the most subjugated people on earth in the history of the world has always been women Mm -hmm. and it will always be women. And the reason is because of the curse. Part of her curse is your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So part of the problem, Mm -hmm. when you look at scripture, um, historically it's written in periods of history where women had no rights. They were property. They couldn't be educated. They couldn't vote. So uh, you actually find Jesus to be the most women's liberating thinker of his era by millions of miles. Hmm. And God, even throughout the Old Testament, has these prophetesses or these women who rescue the entire nation of Israel. So God has not been that way, but culture has. And uh, what frustrates me is when you see people teach that as God's model, when in fact, it's actually part of the curse. All right. It's part of sin. Right. Right. And so 
what what God would teach is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He would mm-hmm. teach that gender disappears at the cross, as does ethnicity, blah, blah, blah. So so we are completely equal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, it's the you know, in our in our Declaration of Independence and all men are created equal. It's just that we treat the world as if some are a little more equal than others. <laughs> and right. so we can say men and women are equal, but in much of the church world, men are a little more equal than women. Well, and in the church from, you know, it's, it's easy to see that, that even in the Bible, as it, as it is a record of history in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. men and women aren't equal. Right. And even in like some of, you know, in, in Leviticus, Mm -hmm. all kinds of teachings that are, or, or, or laws on, um, say, or not sanctification on, um, you know, holy or, or clean and unclean, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And and the lines that that draws, as far as men and women, so I could see it. it, it it's easily easy to say that I don't easy, that I don't really see that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's that sort of equality, right? It is easy to say that, and just like when you um, see in the New Testament, Peter give uh, instructions to slaves mm. and to slave owners. He does not instruct Christian slave owners to release their slaves. Mm-hmm. He instructs them to treat them like brothers and sisters and because you have a master just like they do. And so uh, why didn't Peter and why didn't God's people, you know, reject slavery? And, and the answer is because the kinds of slave, those people weren't um, kidnapped into slavery. Right. They were bond servants. Right. right. So they were sold into slavery because of their debts or they entered themselves into slavery. Uh, so there's a, you can easily misunderstand that. And so, um, gender can be the same way. I think that the, the going back to your original thought here, I mm-hmm. feel like a man is a little more responsible for the safety, the provision, sure of his family. And that's mostly what I was getting at, and that the role that I've served so far, yeah, has been Mister Fix It. You know, and and that's 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 not Lindsay. That's me. It's that when she has that a you problem, feel that yeah, my my. Your impulse, sole responsibility is to mm-hmm. is to solve that problem, right? And that, yeah, that's just that's that's the that's what it's been feeling like, I guess. Yeah. So I, I want you know I want to make sure we focus as much as we can. Sure. The goal of the conversation is to process how can I know that I'm manly enough, that my masculinity is healthy, that mm-hmm. my sense of identity as a man is appropriate. And I think that's an incredibly complicated minefield. So I'm glad we're talking about it. And I think we'll probably have more conversations about this. It's broad enough to but, where we're not oh, going to cover all that. We're not going to cover it all. And <clears throat> and the the journey of masculinity is complicated, as is the journey of femininity, which I know nothing about. Yeah. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk about this for the same reasons we're not going to talk about uh, astrophysics. Right. You know? Right. It's just, uh, exactly. That's not, we don't have the qualifications. Yeah. So um, when you think about um, masculinity, um, typically, I think, and I'm curious about if this is changing with generations. So this is my ignorance, but in typically men's, a man's deepest fear. Okay. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. a man's deepest fear is that he's going to be called upon in a moment to deliver and he will not deliver. Hmm. Right. So he's going to be found. He's a fraud. Sure. Um, he's, he's, he's not up to the task. He cannot rescue 
he cowers cowers down at the wrong time or his strengths are insufficient. You know, that's the the typical fear of a man is when called upon, I will not be able to deliver. Mm-hmm. Do you resonate with that? Yeah, I do. I think uh, that and that's kind of what I was trying to get at. I think I worded it in a roundabout way, but with with the um, vulnerability conversation. Mm-hmm. So uh, this term, I don't know when it was minted. I'm sure it was, it was made long before it entered the public um, hot word. But the but toxic masculinity. Have you you've heard this? I've heard the phrase toxic masculinity. Yeah, yes. and basically it's just an environment where um, uh, all these men are too, basically too wrapped up in how they are uh, um, perceived by each other to back down from a thing. So like, like a, a group of guys mm. that in like gang violence mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. um, in in uh, cultures like like college cultures that lead to sexual assault and stuff like this, uh, men who are like, well, I'm I got to be macho, so I got to do right. this stuff, right? You know. I've uh, got to be. I've got to show to this group. I've got to satisfy their expectation of my manhood. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's what you're getting at, is that you have to. Is that you have to? Because you're not going to be tested like that. You're not. That moment's not always going to come around. So you have to assure everybody. Yeah, that but I don't feel are. that because of the opinions of other men. Okay. I feel that because of my responsibility, as you were talking about gotcha. earlier, that somehow Sue is going to need me, or my kids are going to need me, and I will be inadequate. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's what I mean. Rather than sure. I mean, the toxic masculinity thing is very real, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm more for. And so my understanding about a woman's greatest fear is, am I enough and or am I too much? Because there mm-hmm. seems to be this women are put in this place where there's a narrow bandwidth of being enough as a woman, but don't be too much because then you become a burden. Right. Right. And so they have to find this spot and it's very difficult to find and it's a moving target yeah well i feel like in the same way that there's like um like men want their women to be um in a like like self-sufficient enough mm-hmm. but not overly self-sufficient where they're right. pushy or they're exactly. taking you know taking all the right it's like this super fine exactly. area that yeah so with with masculinity you know um should i be able to fix stuff you know i, I grew sure. up in a home where my dad if he couldn't fix it with chicken wire and duct tape it didn't get fixed and <laughs> and if it did get fixed it got fixed with chicken wire and duct tape uh-huh. so it wasn't really fixed it was jerry rigged sure and um so i have no i got no chops i can't I, I when i get around men who can build anything fix anything you know i'm i'm i i'm i feel like man i i failed i got i got none of yeah. that um so there's parts that you'll always feel like in a comparison, am I man enough? Sure. There. So then the, we'll go back to that. Those three questions that you asked your group. What are your answers to those? Well, um, what is a man? Um, I would say, you know, and I'm talking about how I would define it for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I would hold this standard up to every man I know. Cause I'm not thinking like that. Sure, but just just what is it? But for to me you? to have an anchored sense of my own identity, yeah, and where right? that come from? Yeah, uh, I would say a man is, um, and I I went through a long journey of my own identity process, and I came up with this that uh, a pneumatic servant leader, pneumatic uh, is a uh, wind driven, so you have pneumatic drills, and they're air driven, so. You go to the tire shop and you hear that zit, 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 when they take mm-hmm. off the tire. That's a that's an air driven drill. I thought pneumatic refers to fluid driven, which air counts as a fluid in those systems. No, so those are be, hydraulic. Hydraulic. 
So now, see now that I'm not a man. That's right. I didn't know still that. a boy. Still a boy. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I want to be uh, spirit driven, spirit empowered, servant, leader. I want to be out front. I'm, mm. I believe part of a masculinity is to be out front, <clears throat> to take the risk, to be the first one to jump in in front of the in front of the bullet, to uh, to go chase the boogeyman. You know, yeah. to, if there's noise in the house, I'm not going to send my wife to go see what that noise is kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Right. So, so leader, but servant leader, not a lording over domineering, uh, subjugating leader, but a servant leader, uh, who is spirit empowered. That's, that's what I want to be as a man. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of how I framed it. Do you feel, I'll put mm-hmm. you on the spot and you can always say, uh, pass. <laughs> Do you feel confident in your masculinity? Um, I do on just a uh, uh, a surface level basis, mm-hmm. in that uh, I am large of stature and I have facial hair. So <laughs> you know, it's like it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna look around the room and be which one of these guys isn't manly, I might not be the first guy you point to. Right, because you might, yeah, you might point to someone with softer features or exactly can't or, grow a beard. Or, exactly, and that's not fair. Right, uh, I know a lot of guys with with patchier faces than me who can do a lot of really ma- much manlier stuff than I can. Yeah, um, but so on, on that regard, I feel um, safer. But on a lot of ways, I I'm the uh, you know if you talk about like A type, B type, or like uh, alpha male and beta sure, male, sure, sure. Um, I'm very much not the first one. You know, so like I'm not necessarily the first one up and at them. Uh, I'm definitely more probably contemplative, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, uh, those are those are really important things to sort out. Is that is that mas- Is that mean is that less masculine or is right. that is that equally masculine? Yeah, I had this. Uh, <laughs> I won't name anybody in college. We got into this uh, weird debate uh, where uh, one of my buddies was all about uh, this whole alpha thing, being mm-hmm. like being like a, a man's man. Mm-hmm. And I, I said once, I said, you know, Jesus was kind of beta by your by your weird things. Right. And he lost it. He was laughing so hard. He was like, I can't believe you would say that about Jesus. <laughs> and, and I thought he was being a knuckle because those these silly little human factors right. don't really apply. Uh, Jesus wasn't afraid to get up in people's faces and tell them what they were doing was wrong. And he was a carpenter. He did these macho stuff. But he was, you know, he wasn't concerned with what people, uh, if, if people thought he was manly. And like, like, uh, Peter reportedly yeah. was kind of, was shorter, um, less, less, uh, or Paul had slight features. Was yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Paul, Paul. Yeah. Nothing. And it says about Jesus that there's nothing about him that would make you take notice of his features. However, right. being a carpenter in that era of time, I mean, he was probably stout. He could, sure. you know, swing big hammers and do things. But, uh, but the, the servant, uh, aspect of of the gospel and 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 what it says that is to me a sort of beta thing where you forfeit mm. that that sort of seat at the the alpha table I see. and you say no i'm going to ser- i'm going to to serve this you know yeah um so so to me having the masculinity your masculinity formed by um scripture uh gives it a different tinge and I'll, like old testament and new testament david was very much alpha style and yet he know, wrote masculine. music and played instruments, played the harp. Hmm. Um, that was probably that wrote poetry. Like the electric guitar. Yeah, I mean he yeah. was a he was a Renaissance man. I mean he <laughs> he he wrote poetry and 
and worshiped God and sang and danced down the street in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. He, he's an amazing, to me, he's an amazing model of masculinity because he could rip a guy's throat out with his bare hands uh, <laughs> while he then turns around and weeps and um, and and cries out in fear, God, my enemies are coming to destroy me. Please protect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got, he's got kind of got it all. Sure. It's interesting. Um, I looked up a scripture that there's one scripture that, um, that says act like men. Mm-hmm. And this is first Corinthians 16, uh, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And I love that as a biblical Hmm. conversation, New Testament wise about what is a man and a man is watchful. That is he's, he's watching out. He's alert. He is, um, protective. He's, um, ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and then stand firm in the faith. Like he knows what he believes. He's got convictions. He holds to those convictions. Those convictions actually guide his life. He's strong, and I don't think that's necessarily physical strength, but he's got a strength of character. Um, he can he he can be counted on, hmm. uh, and let all that you do be done in love. He is he's a lover. He's uh, the lead lover. You know, I think I think a real man is a lead lover. That he's the first to apologize. He's the first to approach when there's conflict. He can be the first to mediate and be a peacemaker. Uh, rather than, well, I just hurt everybody who gets in my way. You know, right. that's not masculinity. It's not biblical masculinity. Right. Um, but man, these are challenging. And what I'm concerned about is in this culture where all gender expectations are taboo, how do you raise boys? Mm-hmm. How, 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 do, how do young boys figure out what masculinity is when there are no expectations? Yeah. Man, well, how would so so you raised two boys? Um, did you have a, were you purposeful about it? Were you intentional? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, Sue was raised in a home with just her and her sister, mm-hmm. her mom, and her dad, and her dad was fiercely private. So he didn't talk about uh, anything personal ever. Hmm. And I remember when Tim was born. So we had we got married to um, a year and a half later. We have Julie. Then two years later, we have Tim. Tim was in diapers. And Sue said to me, I understand you so much better now <laughs> because of having this son. Uh-huh. Because he would do things like, you know, you hand him a spoon and he's making that spoon go. Boom, 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 and he's using it like a car, you know, <laughs> and he's got all these natural boy things going on that Sue's starting for the first time to understand that I'm not weird. Oh, because she didn't have much interaction. She with. had no idea what boys gotcha. were like. She didn't grow up with one. She, you know, whatever. And so um, it was amazing that that fast he started doing behaviors and intuitive things um, that made her realize that uh, there is there is a significant difference, at least in this first mm-hmm. case of her son, sure, uh, between a boy and a girl, and how different it was. And Sue, um, by her own description, has a lot of. She she when she was a little girl she wanted to play with the boys she didn't mm-hmm. want to play with dolls she wanted to climb trees and fix stuff and use tools and mm-hmm. I mean people laugh at me because for um, 
her birthday one year, I bought her a table saw because uh, <laughs> that's what she wanted, you know? Yeah. Well, so, and Tim, I realized that the, the, um, not exceedingly tall. Right. And he wrote a great goatee, but the, but not much, not, not much yeah. else. And he can yeah. fix anything. Right. Is my brother, Tim. Yeah. And he's very strong. Yes, he I've, is. I'm still not stronger than he is. And yeah. I've got probably half a foot on him. Yeah. Well, I think you are stronger than him, but you don't know you are. I don't know. Uh, thing is, you know, Tim, when you give him a toy as a little kid, he, he liked it, but all he wanted to do was take it apart and see how it worked sure. and then put it back together. Yeah. And he and he he figured out how to use screwdrivers and pliers and all on his own really fast, and it was amazing because I have none of those skills. Mm-hmm. He Maybe actually had, he, he got them from Sue. Yeah, and um, so uh, so I didn't have to. So Tim loved um, physical activity. He loved to compete. Um, he didn't like team sports. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do individual things. Sure. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ever feel like I need to teach him what it is to be a man, except to teach him to temper his temper yeah. <laughs> and to treat people with more sensitivity, dignity, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I think the thing I want to, and I don't know if we're helping, this is my concern. Sure. You know, I'm talking to my son and mm-hmm. I'm wanting to help my son process any, um, um, unclear, confusing parts of being a man. Sure. So, uh, thinking about you or the men your age, um, guys you went to school with, whatever. What are the what are the struggles of masculinity in our culture today? I will tell you right after this commercial break. Okay. Uh, we uh, have a few requests of you. One is that you, listener, we've been using the you, the, the eponymous you. Uh, eponymous. Epon- you always pull out these words. I don't know what they mean. What is eponymous? I think there's about a 50-50 chance that it doesn't mean what I think it means. Oh, really? I think it, I thought it meant like the um, the mythological almost, like like the eponymous. the you, you know, like, hey, you. You do this commercial. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you're listening to this, we would like you to subscribe uh, to the podcast, chances are you you might already be if you're listening to this one. But if you're not, uh, just just pause it right now, or when you park your car, whatever you're doing, hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever software you're using. Um, and if you're on our mobile browser on our, our on our website, there are a lot easier ways to do this. So if you just uh, have an uh, iPhone and you go on uh, Apple Podcast, or if you have Spotify, which is um, on Apple and Android, so if you want to use them, we, we're on there too. Uh, but any of those, if you just hit the follow button and then, uh, if you want to learn more, you can head to our website at jimandjohn.com. No H. Uh, and I think that'll do it. All what, right. What does eponymous mean? I can't find it. How would you spell it? I thought it would be E P onimus. E P O N Y M O U S. Yeah. Giving one's name to a tribe, place, etc. The sentence example is Romulus, the eponymous founder of Rome. Oh, so no, I didn't use it correctly. It would be George Washington is the eponymous leader of the free world or or of Washington State because he gave his name to us. So, ah, okay. So something like that. Or uh, uh, Chief Seattle, the eponymous leader of 
Uh, so, yeah. Okay, I, I'm I'm a little lost still, but let's get on back to our conversation here. So anyway, I didn't even hear your commercial because I was looking up eponymous and trying to figure out how to spell it. Well, you already know. Uh, you know what? Okay. I said. Anything you need me to add to any of that? I don't, don't think so. Good. Okay, so so John, what are the struggles of modern man in terms of masculinity? For you, you asking about me personally, or, or you and the people you know, you know that way you can say, well, I have a friend. Right. You know, you don't have right. to. You don't have to get too self revelatory sure. if you don't want to. You can talk in general sense because I'm assuming, and this would be interesting to know if I'm accurate, mm-hmm. that you have had conversations about masculinity with other guys. Uh, well, I mentioned the one earlier about uh, alpha beta, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, really, I think part of the struggle is that I haven't gotten that deep with other guys because mm-hmm. there are those walls. Um, the, the vulnerability wall. The vulnerability wall. The uh, Am I going to look like a sensitive girl? You know, stuff by even asking, by bringing this up, exactly, exactly. So, and I'm not going to appear to be gender confused, right? If I ask this question, right? I see. And um, and I think, like you were saying, that you have the fear of failure. The uh, in in the same hand as that is that you want to appear capable, Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, so that's like not appearing weak, right? So that's like like my buddies in college. We got our degree, and then we want to go into our field, um have successful romantic relationships. You know, now I'm married. So, you know, stuff like that, being, being successful in your life up to our, our point. And so stuff like, um, taking a barista job after I got my degree, uh, I didn't get any flack for it from my friends, you know, but you felt, but I felt less of a man. Yeah. Yeah. To put it, to put it to the extreme, I didn't have a crisis or any of that, but it, it was not, I was not proud of it for sure. Right. And I, you know, maybe the flip side of that is I was willing to take a job, that was beneath my qualifications because I needed to make money for my family. Right. So you and could be proud of that. Exactly. But, but you but didn't feel that pride. No, no. And when somebody said, John, where do you work? <laughs> yeah. And, and then, well, really, no one would ask me. They'd ask Lindsay. And then I, and then while she was answering, I'd just be, I'd, you know, I'd look away or something. <laughs> um, so stuff like that, wanting to appear sure. like, like, like you're, you are I'm on top of this. You're on top of it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that probably changes as you're, as you age. Um, but in this, this age that I'm in, where it's an era of lots of change and lots of um, coming into your own. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that been a lot of what I've noticed is um, people wanting to appear that they are, uh, you know, they've, they have the I've ranks. I've got my act together. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, how do you score yourself on that, 1 to 10? Um, I'm not I'm not the most... Uh, Insecure guy, I don't think so. So it doesn't. It, it that's what I meant when it didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, taking the barista job. Uh, if I have to put an objective score to it, it might look that way because I don't think I have it all that much together. Um, but for me, it's not much of a problem. Lin- Lindsay makes considerably more money than I do uh, with her career, um, and I'm grateful for it. So, so let me ask you this: Do you um, do you feel free mm-hmm. to celebrate your masculinity? Or do you feel like it's not safe to be a man? Well, that's tough because I still don't know if I have an answer to that question to, of, of what, what, what is. masculinity yeah. is. Yeah. You know, so when I think about like, uh, like putting, putting my uh, wife above myself, mm-hmm. like that, that is a calling of manhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I do about as well as that as a 23 year old, you know, knucklehead could do. Mm-hmm. But that's not really an answer. I don't know. I'm still, even after all this, I'm still, I'm still wishy-washy on it. Well, sometimes in my, I remember in my journey uh, as a young man and then a young married man and then a 
father. Um, I felt constant um, restraint or judgment about some of what was natural to me as a man. Hmm. Natural to defend, natural to uh, fight for, natural to compete. These were all natural to me. And um, and I and I felt like I was constantly being told, verbally or non-verbally, that's inappropriate. Hmm. Tone it down. Sure. And I remember reaching a point in my adult life where I said, I'm going to celebrate the fact that I'm a man. I'm going to be unashamed of the masculine parts of me that, that I would define as masculine. Sure. And I'm going to steward them well. I'm going to lord over them, but I am not going to apologize for them, and I'm not going to be ashamed of them. And that was a defining moment for me because I had felt like I would, this pressure on me. Uh, I believe the culture went through and maybe still does emasculate men, hmm. take away their masculinity and explain to them that masculine is bad. These natural masculine impulses uh, that you have are not good. And so uh, it, it was it, it, it. I feel like it did a lot of disservice. And as opposed to, man, that's awesome that you're that way. Now do that well. Do that as a servant leader. Now, uh, you know, uh, harness that that passion, that power, that that urge, sure, and drive it to to be constructive and don't and and watch out for those destructive edges. That would have been way more helpful Mm -hmm. instead of having this sense that you should be ashamed that you feel that way. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about. Um, actually, this has been with someone else, but that um, the same, the 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 drive that gives you, so so like every every talent has a pro and a con. So say you are a driven, results oriented go getter. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have those strengths and the same weaknesses, right. As anyone else who has that same trait, right. So it's like it's two sides of that same coin. So where the opposite, if you're um, you know, if you're about context. And um and slowing things down and um less not ambitious focused. yeah yeah and you're gonna have those same strengths the the other side of that is maybe um laziness or right. or um you know or loss of focus so so these drives have the same mm-hmm. uh, pros and cons mm-hmm. uh, do you th- think when we're talking about masculinity that that first one I mentioned that first drive is that a masculine drive or is that just a gender neutral uh, trait. Well, I think, um, so you go back in time and men were hunter gatherers. Mm -hmm. So they are going to see to it. There's food. They're going to, they're going to hunt. They're going to defend. They're going to fight. Um, sometimes unnecessarily they're going to pick fights because it's a masculinity contest of what they would call a pissing contest. (laughs) Uh, you know, so, but the, but this natural impulse to fight, protect, defend, that those are masculine, I would say. And there are women who feel those urges and there's nothing wrong with that. But the normative reality is that those are masculine type um, organic things. And so um, here, here, here's a classic for me in my own journey. Mm-hmm. of, uh, And this is if sexuality, one of the struggles of being Christians is is getting your arms around the whole uh, the whole sexuality conversation because um, you can raise kids and say, well, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. Don't do sex. Don't do sex. And then all of a sudden when you're married, it's supposed to be something you celebrate and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was bad. And so you can feel ashamed 
of your uh, admiration for the female body or mm. your desire to experience sexual pleasure, you know, you can feel shame around that. And um, that was one of my breakthroughs was I'm not going to be ashamed of the fact that I really like that, that I desire that, that that is uh, attractive to yeah. me. Uh, instead, I'm going to focus on stewarding that for the glory of God and for the protection of others. Um, that's a, a way more uh, empowering conversation mm-hmm. than to say, don't do it. You should be ashamed of yourself for thinking that um, that someone, that a naked woman is something that's uh, tempting to look at. No, it's very natural for me to want to look at that. Gotcha. Uh, but I, but instead, I'm going to harness that because I, uh, because I want to walk in purity. But when I get married, I'm going to look at it all the time, right? <laughs> sure. And you can celebrate that. Uh-huh. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That was a difficult journey for me. Gotcha. Well, that's great. I think that's going to do it for the week. Um, I think I covered my takeaway or or lack thereof. I, I've enjoyed the. The exploration. I still don't have a bunch of uh, clear answers, but I'm sure we'll be back to this. So you don't have a single takeaway from that you would summarize from this conversation. A single takeaway would be um, <laughs> that the um, that the identity is uh, is yes based off of those around you, but that if your uh, if it if it is required on the validation of others. For masculinity or otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, it's in, it's in a really vulnerable place. That's rocky. That's very, sandy soil. Yeah. You're 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 not going to have stability there, right? And that's when you get in these areas of toxic masculinity or uh, or just uncertainty about your own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we we stress this almost every week that that using uh, scripture as it's intended as as a bedrock yeah. of your identity uh, is really uh, just just from a numbers game is the safest way to go. Yeah, because it can't change. Yeah, you know. So I know we're wrapping this up, but I'm going to ask you, when I say, John, act like a man, what do you think that means? Puff out my chest, (laughs) stick my shoulders back and wipe those tears away. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Rub dirt on that sore and just keep going. Yeah. But but I don't know if that's just culture, if that's just the way I was raised and, and, uh, you know, the Western, Western culture or otherwise. If someone says that to you, what do you think? Well, probably the same thing you just said. I think my big takeaway, I want to shift gears to that since we're going to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. My big takeaway from this is the goal is for every person to be able to celebrate their uh, strengths, celebrate their, their drives, their at whether that fits a prototypical model of masculinity or femininity or whatever. But to get there, you have to, you have to swim in these waters of what does my gender mean and um, so uh, what I would, my takeaway is, man, the goal is to fully be yourself. Hmm. Um, and I think uh, gender expectations of, to some degree will help you navigate that faster and healthier. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, do us a favor. Pass on the podcast to a friend, share this, something, and reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Info at jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. Yeah. Any feedback at all, it'd be great to hear. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great day.